0: Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Thursday, April 23rd, and this is your FT News Briefing. Oil prices rebounded yesterday after a warning from U.S. President Donald Trump. And as some American companies consider reopening, U.S. business groups are worried about the legal risk of exposing employees to coronavirus. Then we'll look into why Russian oligarchs are expected to help the state financially in these trying times. But first, it's estimated that about $275 billion of corporate bonds are at risk of losing their investment grade status within the year. The FT's Martin Arnold explains why the European Central Bank is changing its rules when it comes to these so-called fallen angels. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day.
1: So the ECB has changed its collateral rules for the second time in two weeks, and this time it has said that it will now accept so-called fallen angel bonds. These are bonds that lose their investment grade credit rating as collateral. So previously the ECB has only accepted bonds that have an investment credit rating for collateral uh, from banks in return for which it grants them very cheap loans. And it's concerned that access to this ultra cheap liquidity, which is particularly vital during this uh, coronavirus crisis, could be restricted if a lot of these corporate bonds and also sovereign bonds are downgraded because of the economic crisis that we're facing. And therefore, these bonds would no longer qualify as collateral.
0: So Martin, we've talked about the subinvestment grade corporate debt as collateral, but what does this mean for sovereign debt?
1: Very interestingly, we have on Friday, Standard & Poor's, one of the credit rating agencies, make a rating decision on Italian sovereign debt. And Italy is rated two notches above junk status. And there is a concern about what would happen with Italy. But I think that uh, talking to people at the ECB, that actually this decision on, on fallen angel bonds is more about corporate bonds. It's more about bonds issued by companies that are close to falling into junk status. And they, they're the ones that the ECB is really aiming, aiming for with this because it's already two weeks ago granted a waiver for greek sovereign bonds which are junk rated both in collateral rules and also included them in its asset purchase program so uh, it could do the same easily for italy and what should we expect next from the ecb next week the ecb governing council is due to meet what meets uh virtually again for their regular monetary policy meeting and there's already now after this decision on collateral, that's speculation that they may decide to include some junk bonds, these fallen angel bonds, in its expanded asset purchase program, as the U.S. Federal Reserve decided to do a few weeks ago.
0: Yesterday, the price of Brent crude oil shot up to more than $20 a barrel after brutal losses earlier in the week. The rebound came after a morning tweet from U.S. President Donald Trump. He said that he had ordered U.S. naval ships to, quote, shoot down and destroy, unquote, Iranian vessels if they posed a threat. The possibility of renewed tensions in the Middle East gave crude the lift. The international benchmark was up more than 5% yesterday. U.S. marker West Texas Intermediate rose 19% to nearly $14 a barrel on Wednesday, just two days after the price fell into negative territory for the first time. But even with yesterday's gains, robust supply and little demand has kept Brent crude down about 27% so far this week. U.S. states are deciding whether they should ease or even lift their coronavirus lockdowns. And notably, the state of Georgia will let residents visit gyms, hair salons, tattoo parlors, and bowling alleys starting on Friday. But what if workers at these places contract COVID-19 while on the job? And are businesses on the hook if employees turn around and sue? I talked to the FT's U.S. business editor, Andrew Edgecliffe Johnson. We call him Edge. He explains that American business groups, including the National Association of Manufacturers and the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, are looking for companies to be protected from coronavirus-related litigation.
2: So the fear is that there'll be a wave of tort cases, of uh, wrongful death claims, that will overwhelm companies when they're saying that they're trying to do the right thing, but they're getting very, very conflicting advice from different states about the speed at which they should be reopening for business
0: right? And while many businesses want to wait until the pandemic has subsided, some businesses want to get right back to it. They're losing money every day they stay closed. But what kind of protections are businesses and lobby groups looking for here, Edge?
2: Well, what they're asking for is for Congress to give them much clearer guidance on what they should be telling their employees, whether they're allowed to take their temperatures as they walk into work and things like that. But the guidance we're getting from Washington is quite conflicting. Uh, the Republicans, broadly speaking, have been quite favorable, quite responsive to this idea. We've had Donald Trump sounding quite sympathetic. Larry Kudlow, his top economic advisor, went further than that, saying that there should be guardrails put around companies shielding them from liability here. Here's Mr. Kudlow on CNBC yesterday. You've got to give the businesses some confidence here that if something happens, and it may not be their fault, Uh, You
1: can't take them out of business. You can't throw big lawsuits at them.
2: Democrats, on the other hand, who control the House of Representatives, are trying to put in legislation that would actually tighten the obligations that companies have to their employees to protect them against infection. So at the moment, it's really not clear whether this is going to fall on deaf ears or not.
0: So, Edge, will companies risk it and go back to work even if these protections aren't guaranteed?
2: I think this is just one factor weighing in their calculations. They've got pressure from some employees who really don't want to come back to work too soon because they're fearful about getting infected. There is pressure, on the other hand, from employees who want to get back to work as soon as possible because they need a paycheck. So I think that is also weighing in the balance. I think litigation is a part of it, but I don't think it's the defining factor here.
0: Western governments are rolling out trillions of dollars worth of fiscal stimulus to help businesses and to protect jobs. But in Russia, it's the tycoons who are writing the checks, often to help people in the regions where they make their money. Henry Foy, our Moscow bureau chief, has more.
3: Well, first up, Vladimir Potanin, who's Russia's richest man, made a fortune out of nickel mining. He's handing over $135 million, mainly to people who live in the towns and cities where he mines. Alexei Mordashov, he's a big steel magnate. He's given bonuses to every single one of his employees of about $140 each. And Alicia Uzmanov, who's a metals and telecoms oligarch, has given just a £26 million donation to the government and also $20 million to the government of Uzbekistan, the country where he was born in.
0: So Henry, why are these oligarchs willing to do this, and what does it tell us about the structure of Russia's economy?
3: So it's a combination of factors driving this. The first, of course, is generosity. These people are dipping into their own money, but the bigger one here is that these men and the big industrial groups that they control dominate the Russian economy, and most of their assets are located in what you call in Russia Monogorod, which is a, a town which really has one employer, one big factory or one big mine that was set up in the Soviet times. So essentially, when they are paying for the well-being and the health of the people that live in these towns, they are keeping their own people, their own employees, and their families safe. That not only stops the spread of the infection in the areas where they operate, but also guarantees their continued business. And finally, a lot of these men owe their fortune and sort of their continued business operations in Russia to the Kremlin. If Putin allows you to do business and allows you to keep control of these big companies, you stay rich. So when he asks for your help, you give it.
0: Henry, I'm I'm interested in how Russia's economy is doing as a whole. What kind of a toll has the pandemic taken on government revenues?
3: So in terms of actual impact, on Tuesday, the government said there were 50,000 cases of coronavirus and 500 deaths. That's less per capita than you'd see in a big European country, but rising quite quickly. The biggest impact to Russia's budget and the economy is, of course, the collapse in the oil price. Oil and gas sales and the revenues from that account for about 40% of the state budget. And this weekend, the government admitted that at the current oil price, their rainy day fund, their big reserve fund they've built up, will only last for four years. Now, last month, they were saying it would last six to 10 years. So there's obviously a big sense of fear creeping in inside the Kremlin. And essentially, because those reserves were built up to meet a potential fall in the oil price and a problem for the budget, there's not a lot of money left over for coronavirus.
0: Right, and this is coming on the back of a particularly bad week in the oil markets. Now, Henry, I want to switch gears to the anti-crisis measures President Vladimir Putin has promised. How do they stack up with the fiscal stimulus being offered in countries like Germany or Italy?
3: Russia's measures have been pretty disappointing, to be honest. The total package comes to just under 3% of GDP, which in proportional terms is about a fifth of what the Italian government has offered and just one-tenth of what the German government has offered. So in terms of government support to business and to families, it's a lot less than other countries are offering.
0: You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget?
1: Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, NA. Copyright twenty twenty four.